Welcome to the Faith Ignite podcast. This is a show where we share stories of ordinary people who allow God to do the miraculous in their lives. From trusting to testing to triumph, we pray that these stories ignite your faith to believe God for even greater. Welcome to the Faith Ignite podcast, guys. We're so glad you guys are tuning in today. Now, before you guys listen, make sure that you like and subscribe. Oh, also, I forgot. I'm here with my wonderful husband. Wow, so much for (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's a blessing to be here um, on this podcast. And like my wife said, make sure you like, share, subscribe if this is helping you. That way we can continue to grow this platform and be able to share faith with others. And so make sure you do those things if this is helping you in any way possible. And so for this episode, we have an amazing guest with us. And I think you guys are going to be blessed by his testimony. And so without further ado, allow me to introduce my friend, my brother, Miss Adam Kennedy. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's uh, an honor and pleasure to be here. So I'm excited. Amen. And so Adam, like what we do with most people, like just kind of tell us, who who is Adam? So our people, Mm -hmm. our audience know who who they're dealing with today. So um, I'm from, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I've grown up here all my life. Um, I went to Tulsa Memorial High School and then Oklahoma State. Um, It's interesting, after I left high school, I kind of did college in in a couple different um, episodes, so to speak, (laughs) first and second sort of chapters of of college, so, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, growing up here in high school, um, I was a pretty pretty straight-laced person, Um, I was very religious, I wasn't saved. Okay. And so, that that didn't happen until a few years after high school, but... When I got down to Oklahoma State, the first first college period, um, I was there for about a year, and um, I kind of slowly started to develop, you know, some drinking patterns and, and mm-hmm. drug patterns, and um, that slowly kind of picked up. Um, I ended up coming back here after a year. Um, I did, I think it was a year, I think two semesters at TCC, and uh, that's when I started to develop more of a, an addictive sort of uh, pattern or behavior with multiple different substances and okay. ended up dropping out uh, I was working at Lowe's and uh, I think that shout lasted. out to Lowe's <laughs> <laughs> I go back every now and again <laughs> um, yeah so it's uh, I was there for I think probably about a year so I would have been um, about 21 years old when okay. all that sort of came to a head so man yeah. so <laughs> that's a lot to unpack yeah and so Based on what you told me and what I see now, a, three, uh, a suit with a tie and looking executive. So we're going to have to walk back in time to yeah. kind of figure out what happened then sure. versus where you are now. So I was at a point back then. I was uh, uh, 20, like right before I was 21, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I was uh, doing a lot of drugs, um, mainly opioids and mm-hmm. uh, uh, benzodiazepines. So that's mm-hmm. like Xanax and, and okay, okay. painkillers and things like that. I was also smoking, you know, copious amounts of marijuana, uh, drinking a lot. And um, um, I mean, there's other stuff mixed in there as well. But uh, when when I turned 21, it was probably about six months into my 21st year, um, I had a uh, one of my good friends, his little brother, um, I was giving him a ride somewhere and he's like, I, need, I, have, I have somebody that I want you to meet. And he had told me about this individual that's my mentor now. Mm. And uh, I didn't want to go talk to him initially because I, <laughs> I didn't really think it was going to be that beneficial. But I went and uh, I spoke to him. I think we met at Ron's the first time. And uh, it was just, it was a phenomenal, miraculous experience. Mm. Um, 
he uh, was obviously very gifted, you know, in the prophetic, and he prophesied over my life. He's like, this is where you are, this is where you're going. Uh, he was talking about things about my biological family members, mm -hmm. which at the time I had never met. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, now I have met them. It's been 10 years later since that point. I have met them, and, and all the things he said were, were confirmed. And so mm -hmm. um, I think after the first time I met with him for like three days, that's all I thought about was the things he said and, mm -hmm. and the prophecies that he spoke over me and how on point he was with telling me things that I've never disclosed to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, for three days, that's all I could think about. And I, I said, if, if this man is real, if his gifts are real, um, God must be real. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that was the third session that I had with him, the third time that we sat down and talked. Um, that's when I gave my life to Christ mm -hmm. and I was 21 years old. So. Um, what did that look like at the beginning? Um, stopped doing drugs, cold turkey. Um, I got, uh, well, I got a new job working at a different place, which okay. is uh, more of a white collar place. It was a better opportunity for me, uh, okay. more money. I did end up getting terminated from Lowe's. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but that's that's okay. That's That was due to stuff that I was doing, decisions I made, so. Mm -hmm. um, but God, his, his grace and mercy, like I ended in a better place uh, re-enrolled in, in school, went back to Oklahoma State, and that's why I say that's the second, okay, <laughs> the second sort of period. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And so things kind of went on from there. It was a complete transformation, just a, a 180 turn, and that was about, yeah, that was 10 years ago this year. So, wow. yeah, it's wow. been a decade of, of growth and development. Yeah. Man, <laughs> that's a lot to, that's a lot to, to actually chew on. And yeah. so, you said you, you'd mentioned something about your biological parents, and mm -hmm. so you, you didn't grow up with your biological parents? I didn't. Me and my twin brother were adopted at birth out of mm -hmm. Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. And um, I had known about my biological mother just from the description that the adoption agency gave us when we were born, which was just physical description. Yeah. So I knew what she looked like. She was 15 years old when she had us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my biological father was 16, so I just had a physical description of them, but I didn't have any way to contact them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who they were, didn't know if they were still alive. Um, and so it's, uh, uh, you know, it was spoken over me that I'd be meeting them in my 30s. And it was just last year, I was, I was 31 years old. Um, I had done an ancestry mm -hmm. thing. And uh, one of my biological aunts had reached out to me. And she's like, hey, we're related in some way. And we started talking back and forth. And she's like, my sister, um, had to give up twins when she was 15 years old and like when she said that wow. um my heart like stopped i was like i was like oh my gosh like this is, this is probably right. yeah this is probably you know me and jared she, she's talking about and uh um that i had messaged her back and asked her some questions i was like you know what were the circumstances uh and she's like let me let me ask her and so she mm -hmm. messaged my biological mother and she came back with exactly the information that I was looking for, which was the date and time we were born, um, our weights when we were born. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, just all, all the circumstances where we were born, the adoption agency, the hospital, all that stuff wow. lined up perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this, this is like a 99% chance of yeah. <laughs> biological mother she's talking to. So that was a really profound experience. Um, uh, she got us connected, and I was able to go down and, and meet her after... 31 years so wow. how was that 
Um, it was a really cool experience. I had a lot of support. Um, uh, a lot of my brothers gave me gave me support, and um, uh, some of them had given me money to go down there. And was, was it your brother too as well? Did you guys go together? No, or? It didn't. Okay. I, I went by myself, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I offered that to him. He didn't, you know, want to do that at that time, which mm -hmm. I respect. So I kind of just went on my own, and um, it was. It was an amazing experience. I had a vision of what sort of it would look like, mm -hmm. and uh, I had never been to this this city before. And um, I got there. I had to find uh, I had to find a place to meet her. I had to find a place uh, we were going to go to dinner and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. um, God gave me a vision, and I ended up um, praying over it. And, and all of that stuff was like set up perfectly. Like we met in a, in a park, which is like next to water. Is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. It sounds kind of cliche, but that's how I saw it. That's how I saw it going down, yeah. and um, it went down exactly like that. And and that, that was that was so amazing. I mean, after thirty one years, I have questions about you know where you come from and your mm -hmm. biological family mm -hmm. and just all the implications for that means for your identity and how you develop. Yeah. Um, for all of that to sort of culminate in that moment was it was it was a lot, but uh, it was good. And I mean, we. And we shared stories. Um, I had a lot of questions. She had some questions as well. So it was just an amazing experience, and um, I learned a lot about about myself in, in the process. So that was a complete complete miracle. Though I wasn't even searching for her. That was yeah. just God had orchestrated that, and someone reached out to me. And um, yeah, it's absolutely miraculous. So let me ask you this: mm -hmm. You had said something like you were trying to figure out who you were, and so. The fact that you were adopted, do you uh -huh. think that kind of played some role in the fact of how your life, was, or you, the way your life was headed after, like you kind of went through high school and college and everything after? Um, you're talking about after I met her, or like, uh, like before growing you, up? Yeah, before yeah. you didn't know her. Absolutely, stuff. yeah. Growing up, it, it, I think it played. It, I don't, I wouldn't say it played a role in how I developed it so much as it did create a bunch of questions for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I had my my twin brother growing up, which was a blessing because I could always um, there was always at least some other person mm -hmm. that was yeah. had, I had a, like a biological connection to, and so I think growing up it raised more questions about who I was and in um, sort of how I viewed myself, mm -hmm. and uh, I did sort of develop this mentality that um, that I was kind of on my own path and you know nobody was going to influence that and <laughs> that was just, just kind of be me versus the world type of mentality mm -hmm. uh so i think in that way that did play in into a lot of of how i isolated from people especially mm -hmm. when i fell into drugs and stuff in my later teen years and, and early 20 years um that that definitely did i think play into the isolationism aspect of it okay. right i pulled away from people and and kind of did my own thing mm -hmm. so um yeah, I, w I would say it, it definitely negatively impacted me at that point. Um, but after after I got saved and, and came out of that, um, I started to have more of a positive view of it. Um, and uh, I was more at peace, just sort of leaving it in God's hands. And mm -hmm. and so it's I've kind of gone back and forth with it. And then definitely when I was a child, I, I had very negative, uh, I think, emotions tied to it because I had a lot of questions yeah. about things. So. So was there ever a point where, because I know people go through this, this issue where they meet or they find out the circumstance that mm -hmm. they might have been adopted or yeah. their parents left. So was there any kind of hatred, resentment, <laughs> unforgiveness in this whole process? No, not not really because the, the story that she had presented to me about the circumstances you know surrounding our adoption was pretty close to what I assumed happened. Okay. Um, so I I was kind of unshocked in that in that regard. Um, 
it just because like you have a 15 and 16 year old kid and they give twins up for adoption I kind of ha- like sort of pieced together probably what was going on mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. and, and some of the reasons maybe that she gave us up for adoption as opposed to opting for abortion or something like that so in that sense I was actually really grateful you know I was yeah. grateful that she gave us up for adoption and gave us an opportunity to live and experience life but um, the, the story she gave um, it was pretty close to what I assumed happened, yeah. <laughs> which was just that she she was not a place to be able to raise kids. I mean, she was in high school and she yeah. didn't have stable income. She wasn't in a stable relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wouldn't have turned out, mm-hmm. you know, well. And I've been very blessed. My the my parents that adopted me and my brother. I mean, um, you know, I grew up in in like upper middle class, and I always had the best opportunities available to me. Um, and so that's I really was blessed to be um, taken into a, a loving family okay. uh, so I think that that also helped with uh, the sort of like unforgiveness you know okay. if there if there was any back then because um, I growing up I had a really a really good life so mm-hmm. no no complaints there yeah <laughs> well so kind of switching back gears mm-hmm. to let's see to OSU those days mm-hmm. of of college and so I know when people go to college and I know this is something back home in the Bahamas that they say you go to college mm-hmm. and when you come back home people don't recognize you because you yeah. you <laughs> get all these yeah. different things you experience all these different things so for you what uh-huh. was that, that that process of going to college what was like do you want to experience life and yeah so it, it's like I said I was I was very straight-laced growing up you know I didn't drink I didn't smoke I was very religious but I wasn't saved so I thought that I had to avoid all of that stuff, you know, in order to be a good person. And yeah. I kind of judged people who did that kind of stuff pretty harshly, um, which was interesting because I was always friends with that that demographic, that crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people I knew uh, like drank and, and smoked, but I, I never did any of that stuff. So when I went to college, um, especially at Oklahoma State, you know, that was my first time being away from home. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was somehow I got plugged into um, a group. We we all lived on the same floor together in the dorm, and uh, there was a lot of us that were <laughs> sort of same mentality. And, yeah. Um, a lot of people that I went to high school with also went to ended up going to Oklahoma State's very you know large state university mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma. So um, being there, yeah, I. I I guess the best terminology would be that I just went off the deep end um, <laughs> yeah. with partying and, and um, you know, it's interesting because I still, like, I still made my grades. I still uh, passed both those semesters mm-hmm. um, and had a pretty decent GPA, uh, but I was, I was just partying a lot and I quit caring about school and I just wasn't motivated to continue doing that. I was more interested in the social aspect of it and, mm-hmm. you know, the exploratory components of everything that is, you know, involves college life, yeah. you know, from a secular perspective. So when I came back, definitely I had patterns and behaviors that were not there when mm-hmm. I left mm-hmm. Tulsa to go to school. And um, that, that definitely played a role in, in who I connected with back here because I also had friends. I'm from Tulsa. So when I came back to Tulsa, I had friends who stayed here um, that kind of just kept cycling in those, those same yeah you know addictive patterns and that's what I fell into um so it that started pretty quickly for me okay and so something also I want to kind of touch on Mm -hmm. when did your faith become real because you said you grew up very religious straight ways and so when is when was your faith actually your own 
Yeah, I would say I would say twenty one when I when I invited Christ into my heart and into my life and made Him the Lord of my life. Um, that's when faith was real to me. That's that's when everything changed. And I mean, stuff changed so quickly for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, the same way I left and, and developed all these negative things so quickly. Um, it was like God erased that as fast as they had come on. It was mm-hmm. like complete 180. Like I stopped everything cold turkey. Um, at that point, uh, I, I got a new job, went back to school. And this, I had been out for probably like, I think two years at that point, two and a half years okay. um, since leaving Oklahoma State and coming back to Tulsa. So um, uh, that's when faith was real to me. That's when, that's when God, that I, I first heard his voice and he was first guiding me through that process and I mean everything just happened so fast in terms of uh, like getting getting a new car and, and getting a new new friends group with sober people and was able to maintain sobriety um, and uh, go back to school and finish you know God said you you went there um, and now it's time to go back and finish mm-hmm. and he placed on my heart to switch from business to uh, psychology because um, that's one of the things that was that was spoken into my life that my mentor saw those gifts in me, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, you know, you're you're gifted to be a counselor, you're gifted to work in in the mental health field and help people, um, which I was I was blessed with because I always saw that as as a calling, you know, to ministry, even though it's not always viewed that way. I think mm-hmm. it very much is ministry, yeah. um, especially when God is involved. So, um, yeah, that's that's the first time that I would consider uh, consider myself to really have operated in faith and really felt the, the personal love of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just changed everything. That's like I said, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how was that switch from business to psychology? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Um, it was a pretty easy switch because I wasn't, I hadn't gotten that far in okay. my okay. degree <laughs> at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had like, uh, I think it was like two years of, of credits, but I was going to have to, it was going to take two and a half to three years to graduate mm-hmm. undergrad at that point. So it didn't, it wasn't too bad of a transition. Um, obviously the classes are way different, mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know, that's okay. Um, it, uh, it wasn't really, it wasn't really that big of a deal for me. I, I was sort of like reunited with like new faith and yeah. so I was excited about going through that process and uh, excited about the prospect of graduate mm-hmm. school. Um, you know, which is another story, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was, it wasn't the transition. I don't remember being that, that hard. I was excited to be back mm-hmm. and, um, um, God opened the doors for me in so many ways there. I was able to become an RA, worked in mm-hmm. the information technology department there as well, which, um, mm-hmm. got my foot in the door. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a really good experience. So it wasn't transitioning. wasn't that difficult. So, I like oh, oh no, go ahead, I go like ahead. that you mentioned like some people don't view this as, as ministry mm-hmm. but as like we're Christian mm-hmm. and that is ministry. So as a Christian being a counselor, mm-hmm. tell tell us what's the difference? Yeah. I think it de- it depends on who you're working with, mm-hmm. you know. I don't market myself as as uh, a Christian counselor. Yeah. That's what I am, but um, I will work with anybody mm-hmm. who, you know, is seeking help. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of fast forwarding, I have my license now I'm a licensed professional counselor. I've worked four years in patient psychiatric. Mm-hmm. I worked for various outpatient agencies in the area. And so I don't, um, I don't discriminate when, when people come mm-hmm. to me. Um, I've seen working in inpatient at psych hospital, you know, I've, I've seen basically the worst that, um, the lowest that somebody can get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, 
uh, for people coming to me for counseling services, I really don't don't discriminate. I don't. I don't really, I, I tell people like I'll work with anybody God made. Like it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I'll do everything that I can to to help somebody. So, what does it look like in terms of of Christian counseling? If if an individual is open to that, open to spirituality, yeah. then um, we can go into that mm -hmm. and and talk about Christ-centered concepts. Um, but if they're not, then I stay in the realm of you know sort of my training. Um, exactly. But I think that I think that the love of Christ advises you know everything that I do yeah. you know, in terms mm -hmm. of how I connect with people. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it, it depends on who's in front of you. You have mm -hmm. to meet them where they are. Yeah. And uh, if you're not doing that, then I don't think you're uh, I don't I don't think you're you're being effective really. Mm -hmm. So. So I had a question. Something mm -hmm. you said a little further back, but how do you hear God's voice? Um, uh, through prayer. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I basically, so I believe that, that God can have a personal connection to everybody. And in fact, that's what he wants. Mm -hmm. And so I hear God's voice through prayer and speaking to him. Um, and I mean, there are times that he speaks to me through the spirit, uh, where I, I may be not engaging him, but he's prompting me to do something. So, um, for me, it's like a, it's like a knowing it's mm -hmm. like a, something that, uh, I, it's it's indescribable to me. Like I have a difficult time putting it into words. People are like you hear God's voice audibly. Like does yeah. He speak to you? Like, yeah. and I don't think that that's how He He communicates with people. You know, mm -hmm. the natural. I think that because He is a spirit, and so He communicates to us to us spiritually. Um, I'm not saying He couldn't speak to somebody audibly if He wanted to, mm -hmm. but for me, um, it's like a knowing. It's like a, uh, an information that is just there all of a sudden. Mm. And um, the way that you know it's God's voice, for me at least, is through confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is always confirmation for something he said. So if you yeah. said something, it's for a particular reason it's going to come to pass. Um, things are lining up according to you know what you've heard. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very important that I, you know Christ is the spirit of truth. And so if God is speaking to us, what he's speaking to us is truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you operate in that, it should it should be truthful. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, it, it shouldn't. If it's something that is false or ends up, you know, um, I, I don't know. Like there's so many different circumstances. But uh, you don't op you can't operate in, in falsehood and mm -hmm. in, in claim that you're hearing God's voice. So that's kind of my, my deal. Definitely. Yeah. So looking at where you are now mm -hmm. versus where you were, what's something that you would have done differently if you could change it? I would change a, a lot of stuff. I mean, if I could go back with the knowledge that I have now, I mean, I would want to go back to when I was like a child, mm -hmm. um, like middle school. And I've thought about that, like what point would I go back to? I'd go back to sixth grade. And I would tell, I would tell that kid, there's so much there's so much possibility through love, through loving others and staying connected to God through love. And I would try to stress to him the importance of love and, and connection with uh, God's creation, God's people, mm -hmm. and, um, and Christ. Yeah. Uh, because that's been the, the main thing that has transformed my life. Um, and so I, I would go back and try to teach that to that kid and everything would be different. I mean, with that, that's that at 21, I mean, that, that changed my life completely. So the further back I could go, I don't think elementary school is really that, you know, <laughs> no matter what you do before yeah. then, but I would go back to that point and, and try to teach that, that kid about, about love and faith and let that seed grow and develop from an early age. So, um, that's 
you know, maybe something I, I plan to do with my kids, you know, mm -hmm. when I have kids, just be able to show that to them and return that to them. They don't have to experience um, some of the, the darkness that I experienced. Yeah. yeah. Um, and people always say, like, oh, my, I hear this a lot, especially in mental health, like, my experiences make me who I am. Um, but from that point on, like, you, you choose your experiences. Yeah. Like, you have a decision in that. And so... Um, that is true, but if you could spare somebody from having to experience that, then I think that that's, I think that that's the better thing mm -hmm. to, to teach people and discipline them as much as possible. So, yeah. Mm. You got anything? Mm -mm, okay. Got okay. It. So, man, I had a question. For I, you okay, I, I got just, one because I, I was thinking about it. So. You're adopted, your parents, you come back from college, mm -hmm. you're like totally different, yeah. and then you meet this man mm -hmm. and you do a 180. Yeah. Did they notice a difference? They did, mm -hmm. and to this day they still talk about that because they remember where I was. Um, and even people that knew me back then knew knew where I was, that like two, two and a half year sort of yeah. period where I was um, you know, abusing opioids and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean that, that, to put it into perspective, because I'm pretty open about that, I mean, I was doing like ecstasy and, and cocaine and a, there's a lot of different opioids. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. So the whole thing. I was kind of testing, you know, sort of see what I liked. Um, and then uh, Xanax as well, which was really, really difficult for me because I, I would take huge amounts of it mm -hmm. and forget stuff that I did. I lost my car once. Um, I mean, I, what do you mean lost it? I lost it. I didn't know where it was. <laughs> I woke up with my friend at, at our house. I, I was staying at my parents' house at the time, and his car was out front, but my car wasn't. Mm. And I had no idea where it was. Like, um, it's like my parents had to drive around and, and find it. It was like at a gas station somewhere. Like, wow. I had left it at a gas station. Yeah. Like, that's how out of it I was. I would do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, they, when I stopped doing everything and was working a different job, was wearing like shirts and ties to work, mm -hmm. was sober, I had lost like 35 pounds. Um, they're like, we, we have no idea like how you went from yeah. doing all of this stuff to being completely opposite and rolling back in school and, and all of that stuff. They're like, the only way that we can describe this is is that God did this for you. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not, like, hugely spiritual people, you know. And a lot of my friends back then, obviously, they're not hugely spiritual people. Mm -hmm. So some of them today even resent sort of where I've ended up because wow. um, they, they remember me and connecting with them. And uh, I had to cut a lot of people out. Yeah. Um, that's just part of, like, addiction, though. Like, yeah. that's... I mean that's even a mental health thing. Like when when you're addicted and you want to stop, you got to cut out certain people pretty much yeah. almost 100 percent of the time. So mm -hmm. yeah, they absolutely noticed a difference, and they absolutely uh, said that there's no other way that could have been possible without God's intervention. So. Yeah, interesting. And so you said something. Um, you talked about cutting people off. Like mm -hmm. in this day and age, cancel culture is a big thing. You you don't do what I want. That's it for you. Yeah. But in your experience, like, what would you suggest 
as far as like you know the path that you're supposed to be on mm -hmm. you know where you're headed mm -hmm. but you have these variables that you have to take in consideration do you yeah. stay with it do you go do you just leave them like what do you what would your that's suggestion be yeah that's a, that's a really good question and i think it's really applicable to um sort of the times and the day and age that yeah. we're in because cancel culture is huge um, and I mean, how you define that, I think, determines sort of how you, you navigate through that. But it depends, it depends largely on the circumstances and the person, you know. If you, if you, if God has called you to something and you have a, a path, a trajectory that he has put you on and spoken over you, mm -hmm. um, that's what God wants you to do. And I would say if you're putting that first, it will be very clear to you very quickly who is not on board mm -hmm. with you doing that. Mm -hmm. Um should you cancel those people out you know it it depends family obviously is i think a huge influencer on on most people mm -hmm. and when people step out and sort of do their own thing i think a lot of times family members are the first to come against them so yeah yeah i i think that it's something where a situation like that an individual really has to be led by the holy spirit on how yep. to engage them mm -hmm. i would not advise just carte blanche to cut off family members but I mean there's a lot of work that I do with clients and stuff where we end up getting to a point where a family member has to be cut out just because they're not you can't let somebody else destroy your purpose yeah mm -hmm. whatever that you know that looks like whatever they're trying to do for you if it's to the point that you're not going to be able to do something or doing that thing that God has called you to becomes so difficult and complicated because of other influences, mm -hmm. that's when I think you need to start looking at, at what to do to um, preserve yourself yeah. in those situations. Um, so it's that's a tough thing to navigate, and I do help people with that, but I have to be showing myself how to do that, and God has to show that. And I don't, I'm not perfect. There's some times I, I fail at doing that yeah mm -hmm. but uh you know for the most boot if I'm being obedient God's going to give me the right answer so that's a tough thing but that's why you have to give it to God like you can't, yeah. you can't do it yourself exactly so that's mm -hmm. a really good question though okay yeah so last question for me mm -hmm. and this is something we like to end on yeah with every episode if there was one piece of advice you can leave with our listeners what would it be and why um I would say uh I would say, but for me, and the thing that I'm sort of working on perpetually the most is uh, you have got to learn to love other people. <laughs> um, you, you have to learn to love, uh, you have to learn to love God first and love people second. And I think that that's the most important thing. That will change your life, you know, completely. It, it, it'll, it'll put you in a different place entirely. Um, but that is the um, sort of the power by which, you know, to engage everybody um, and to engage God and engage yourself. So I would say those two things would be, that'd be the most important advice I would give is to learn, learn to love God, learn to love Christ, and learn to love other people. Yeah. Adam, Kennedy's, Adam Kennedy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and... It has been a true honor yeah. and a blessing just to be able to have you on this yeah. episode, man. And on behalf of Rose and I, we really appreciate you sharing your story because I know our listeners will be blessed because, I mean, having to navigate certain things and, mm -hmm. like, not knowing, going from 
one person to the next person cold turkey and having to walk this out and use your faith to get you from point A to point B, I'm sure it's going to be some encouragement to our listeners. So we just want to say thank you for listening, or thank you for sharing your story with us, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Um, it's it's a huge honor and pleasure to be here. And uh, I, I love talking to people and I'm, I'm pretty open about talking about my stuff. So thank you guys for creating an opportunity for um, everyone to come here and, and sort of share. That's a huge blessing. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And so before you guys click off, if this is helping you in any way, like I said at the beginning, like, share, subscribe, share with a friend, share with the family, let the dog hear it if it, it, it helps them. But go ahead and let them know that this is something that they want to be able to listen to because at the end of the day, what is happening is their faith is being stirred and ignited so that they can believe God for even greater. And so if this is helping you, like I said, share, like, subscribe, and keep on subscribing and keep on listening so we can continue to build this brand, continue to build this mission and cause that the Lord has placed on our hearts. So until next time, keep your faith ignited and we'll see you back here for the next episode.